of his might. Heavenly Father, we thank you because you are our Father and you're a good Father. Thank you for another opportunity to mingle our voices together this morning in prayer, in praise, in adoration, in thanksgiving for your loving kindnesses and your tender mercies that are forever ours. Thank you most of all for the great plan of redemption which you planned and sent your son, the Lord Jesus, to consummate. Thank you for your word that brings us a revelation of that plan. Thank you for the great and mighty one, the Holy Spirit, whom you've sent to be our teacher and to be our guide. I make bold to say that he will live big in me today. He'll rise big in me. He'll think through my mind. He'll speak through my lips. He will act through my deeds. He will unveil the word of God through these lips of clay. And we won't be hearers of the word alone, but we'll be doers of the same. And as a result, not only will we experience your blessings, but we'll be a blessing to others as well. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' matchless name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Praise God. Well, where we read, the Bible says we are to be strong in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Now, God is not going to tell us to do something we can't do. So if he tells us to be strong, it means we can be strong. And it means if we aren't strong, it's not God's fault. And it's not the devil's fault either. Amen. So we are to be strong. Now, how are we going to be strong? How does this strength come? Well, if we look at the context of that verse, you know, verse 10 says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. 11 goes ahead to say, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. It says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. The margin says, wicked spirits in the heavenlies. Verse 13 goes ahead to say, wherefore, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. Yeah, there's going to come the evil day tests, trials, come to us. We live in a world where the devil is God, but what of it? We can withstand him. Amen. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. It says, and having done all to stand, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. You know, uh, above all, take in the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fairy darts of the wicked one. Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. 18 says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Well, we see there that we're told to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. We know the power of God's might is the Holy Ghost. Acts 1 8, he shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And um, the Amplified Classic of that says, you shall receive power, ability, efficiency, might, after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. So we need to be strong, to be strong in the, in the power of God's might is to be strong in the Holy Ghost. And how is that going to happen? By us praying, like verse 18 talks about. But then we're also told to be strong in the Lord. To be strong in the Lord, really, because Jesus is the living word. The Bible is the written word. The written word is given to unveil the living word to us. So to be strong in the Lord is to be strong in the word of God. 
we see some areas in God's word where we are to be strong. So my point is that to be strong in the Lord, we need the knowledge of his word. In 1 John chapter 2 and in verse 14, John, Apostle John, writing to believers, he said, I've written unto you fathers because you have known him who is from the beginning. He says, I'm writing to you young men because you are strong. Notice, and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the wicked one. So we see those things linked together. You are strong. Why? The word of God abides in you and you have overcome the wicked one. So strength comes from God's word. And it's knowing God's word that enables us to know our Father God. Amen. And it's by knowing him that we're able to overcome the enemy. Like we saw in Ephesians 6. Now Daniel chapter 11 verse 32. The Bible says that they that know their God shall be strong. And they shall do exploits. So the way to be strong is by knowing God. Amen. The way to be strong is by knowing God. And you know something? That faith really, fellowship is the mother of faith. It's the parent of joy. It's the source of victory. Faith is not a formula. It's born out of fellowship with God through his word and prayer. So it's of primary importance that we know God's word. That we are grounded in God's word. That we are established in God's word. If we're going to be strong. If we're going to overcome the tests and trials of life. If we're going to experience God's blessings. And if we're going to walk in intimate fellowship with the Lord. Now, um, just in thinking about along those lanes, you know, there are three areas that I consider key areas where we need knowledge of God's word in. Now, we need all of the knowledge of God's word in everything. But, you know, there are certain things the Bible emphasizes there are certain things the Bible doesn't so much emphasize. I've learned to be silent where the New Testament is silent and to be loud where it's loud. You know, there are certain things that if you don't know them, it won't impact your faith so much. Who was taller between Abraham and Sarah? It's not important. When you get to heaven, you can get them to back each other and you can check their heights. How broad was David's chest? Uh, uh, did... Um, did the Bible talks about Aaron's beard. Did, how regularly did he used to shave it? You know, whether you know that or you don't know that, that's of not so much importance. But listen, there are certain things that you need to know. Amen. Three key areas that I consider the Lord will have me to emphasize this morning in this message. First, number one, and they're all simple things that we know, but I'm just stirring up our pure minds by way of remembrance. The first one, the new birth. The new birth. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, the Bible says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Now we know that when we got born again and came into Christ, our spirits were recreated, our spirits were reborn. There's an expression people use. I don't like to use it. In actual fact, I haven't used that expression since 1991. I know when I stopped using it. You know, we talk about give your life to Christ, right? And yes, I, that's okay. Commit to the Lord. And that's fine. But I rather, I prefer to put it a little differently. You see, if we're not careful, we make it look like the new birth is a commitment to stop drinking. 
to stop smoking, to stop doing this. I've not given my life to him. But in actual fact, it was Christ who gave his life to us. So really, it's receiving the life of Christ. You see, God is the giver. We are the receivers. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. John 1.12 says, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Now I have an illustration that will reinforce what I'm trying to say. You see, if we're not careful, we can take out the supernatural element of Christianity and make it look like it's just a commitment to stop doing this or start doing that. Anybody can stop or start anything. My daddy used to smoke. I was told he was a chain smoker. He smoked for 11 years. He used to use one to light one, a living human chimney. That's what he was. But the year I was born, somebody insulted him over cigarette smoking. Well, he considered it an insult. It was a friend. It was December 31st that year. They were all together in front of our house. My mom was serving them drinks and they were smoking. Three of them friends. And then one of them spoke up and said, this cigarette that we smoke, we know this stuff is dangerous. When are we going to stop it? And then the other one, you know, who was a neighbor, he said, well, that he is when he gets married, he will stop smoking. And that was the insult. And my dad felt, he felt challenged. So are you calling me an irresponsible desperado? Married, I've had my first child, my second child, my third child, and I'm still smoking. And you now have the guts to say it right in the presence of my wife. What kind of a thing is that? And he didn't express anything. That's what's funny. He didn't show much emotion. He just giggled. But something on the inside of him was challenged. So he decided just that instant, he wasn't going to smoke again. That because of this year, year cigarette, this small boy will now be calling me irresponsible to my wife's face. You know, that's how he felt. That's how he took it. And that was the last time he smoked. Never took another stick of cigarette again. He actually gave my mom his lighter, ashtray, the pack of cigarettes, the last one he had, gave out everything to keep. Well... Two years after that man was married, they had the first child, he was still smoking. So they were gathered again. Then my dad told my mom, that stuff I gave you two years ago, go bring it. And then she brought it. And then he told that man, remember what you said? You know, remember you said this. Thank you for helping me. I'm grateful to God and to you. What you said challenged me. And I want to remind you, if you're a man of honor, you should stop tonight. Well, the man's still smoking. <laughs> he didn't stop. But you see, what am I saying? What was that? Was that the new birth? Oh, it was a smoking sinner that became a non-smoking sinner. My dad used to drink. He drank heavy. Heavy. He drank heavy. You know, he was a, a professor on the College of Medicine in UI, UCH. One time he had a, res a resistance strain of malaria. So he got concerned. He said, what if I go to the doctors and they tell me something's wrong with my liver, that I've damaged it, that I have cirrhosis because of my much drinking. He said, I teach medical students these things. I know what this thing is doing to my body. He said, am I not a fool? He said, I'm a big fool. He said, I'm not drinking again. And that was the last bottle he drank. Now, was that the new birth? That wasn't the new birth. It was a drinking sinner that became a sober sinner. You know? So anybody can stop anything or start anything. That's not the new birth. The new birth is a man receiving the life of God into his spirit. By the way, my dad did get saved before he died. He had an encounter with Jesus and Jesus changed his life. Are you listening to me?
Now it's unfortunate, but you know there are Christians that smoke. There are Christians that drink. It shouldn't be the case. But I'm saying that the new birth is us receiving God's life. Receiving God's nature. And as a result of the new birth, our spirits are reborn. You see, the life of God changes conduct. It corrects habits. It forms new ones. Criminals become law-abiding citizens. Prostitutes become moral. Thieves become honest. Drunkards become sober. No case is incurable. Some people have that life. But because they don't know what they have or walk in the light of it, they are not experiencing the benefits of that life. You see, it's the most miraculous incident in life. Amen. Becoming a new species. A kind that never existed before. You know, there are believers today who think that God is mad with them because of their past life. Who think that because of such and such they did before they got saved, that's why they are suffering such and such right now. Look, why would God punish you for what you didn't do? The man who did that is passed away. You see, one day I was reading in the Bible in 2 Corinthians 7 2. I read where Paul said, I've wronged no man, I've defrauded no man. I was a teenager, secondary school boy. I said, No, this can't be true. This guy, was this not the guy that consented to the death of Stephen? Was this not the guy that held the clothes of the people that stoned him? Was this not the guy that persecuted the church above many his equals? Was this not the guy that did many things contrary to the name of Jesus? See, I was feeling cool myself. When all of a sudden on the inside of me, the Lord said, shut up, young man. The fellow you are talking about died on the road to Damascus. Are you listening to me? If you received Jesus, you are a new creature. You see, God does not merely forgive the sinner's sins. He remits his past. It stops existing. You're a brand new species. You are not the person you used to be. Now you are God's child. Now you're in God's family. You are not a forgiving old sinner. You're a new creation. A new creation that came from the womb of deity. You are God's workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus unto good works. You have the righteousness of God in him. Amen. That's what God thinks of you as a new creature. You are God's child. We're not merely his servants like they were in the old covenant. Yes, we are servants. Dolos, a lost slave. One who willingly gives himself over to do the will of another. But listen. We are in the family. We are in the family. We are tied up to deity. Amen. In vital union. <laughs> we are new creatures. New species. Now, I'll say this. The new birth is not the rebirth of the soul. The new birth is not the rebirth of the body. We know that man is a spirit. He has a soul and he lives in a body. The new birth is the rebirth of the human spirit. The real you is a spirit being. When you got born again, God's nature was imparted into your spirit. See, many times we major on conduct. And you see, we ought to teach conduct to believers. But don't go to an unbeliever and tell him, you know, some of you will go to hell, you're drinking. No, that's not the gospel and that's not even true. You know, people don't go to hell because they drink or smoke. People go to hell because, you know, they don't go to hell because they sin. They go to hell because they are sinners. Man's problem was it his conduct primarily. Man's problem was his nature. His conduct, his bad conduct was a fruit of his bad nature. Even if he could fix his conduct, he's still a child of the devil on a fast lane to hell. If he's going to be saved, he has to be saved by someone paying the penalty for his sins. He has to be saved by someone breaking the devil's dominion over him. He has to be saved by God imparting his life into his spirit. And that's what happened at the new birth. Our spirit was recreated, was reborn. With God's nature in it. We came into God's family. We became his sons. We became his daughters. 
Amen. Born of God. Born of God. Now, but like I said, it was our spirit that was reborn. Romans 12, 1 and 2. The Bible says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Now, we ought to preach Jesus to the sinner. Tell him about Jesus. Yes, for the saint, we can now tell him, now that you have received Jesus, you need to uh, live right in accordance with God's word. But to preach conduct to a sinner is a waste of time. Even if he changed his conduct, even if he kept the Ten Commandments, he's still a child of the devil. His problem is that he, he needs to receive Jesus. And it's receiving Jesus that will fix him. Then his spirit now becomes recreated. And now he's empowered from within to do what is right. Amen. But for the believer, our spirits are reborn. But we still have the same mind we had before we got saved. We still have the same body we had before we got saved. Your body will want to do the things it used to do. Your mind, you want to think the way it used to think. And that's why we're to renew our minds with the word of God. And that's an ongoing process the rest of our lives. Your mind doesn't stay renewed any more than your hair stays combed. You need to keep feeding your, uh, the word of God, building the word of God into your mind. Reprogramming your thinking. And then the body. Your body want to do the things it used to do. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9.27, he said, but I keep under my body. I bring it into subjection. Lest that by any means, when I preach to others, I myself should be a castaway. That mighty apostle that wrote half the New Testament, he had some issues with his body like you do with yours. Just like Jesus did with his. The Bible talking about Jesus says he was tempted at all points like as we are. Remember one time when Paul said, I've lived before God with a good conscience up till this day, Acts 23, 1. And then the high priest said, smite that man in the cheek. Paul responded immediately, said, may God smite you in the cheek. You're saying they should judge me according to the law. You know, and then they should slap me contrary to the law. He said, you whited sepulcher. And then someone told him, revilest that God's high priest. Immediately said, let's quote in scripture. I didn't know it was a high priest. What am I saying? Paul had a flesh like you. When that guy said, slap him, he said, may Sean know. What kind of nonsense with that? Then he, then someone else told him, that he, then immediately calm down. Do you see my point? He had the flesh. Just like you do. His flesh wanted to act up, just like yours does. But what do we do with our bodies? We're to present our bodies to God, a living sacrifice. And we're to renew our minds with God's word. And that's an ongoing process the rest of our lives. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 says, For which cause to think not? It says, But though our outward man perisheth, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. It was our inward man, the spirit that was reborn, that was recreated. We have to do something with our bodies. God is not going to present that body for you. God is not going to renew that mind for you. We are the ones to do that. Amen. In Ephesians chapter 4, from verse 22 to 24, the Bible says that it put off concerning the former conversation, the former lifestyle, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. Says, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Says, and that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. That new man is created like God in righteousness, in true holiness. But you see, we still have the flesh and we still have our minds and we have to reprogram our thinking. We have to put on the new man on the outside. Colossians 3, 9 to 10. The Bible says, lie not one to another. 
Seeing ye have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Now, the old man, the old spiritual man is passed away. There's a new spiritual man in his place. But your body still has the nature of the old man. Your flesh still has the nature of the old man. We're to put that aside. We're not to let our natural inclinations in the flesh dominate us. Rather, we're to let our recreated spirits govern us. In Galatians 5, 16 through to 25, the Bible says, This I say then, walk in the spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. It says, For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh. These are contrary the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. It says, but if ye be led of the spirit, ye are not under the law. It says now, verse 19, the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, envies, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like of the which I tell you before, as I told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Verse 22 says, but... The fruit of the Spirit is, it's just one fruit, but it has nine parts. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, or faithfulness, meekness, temperance. It says, and against such, there is no law. It says, they that are Christ's, verse 25, have crucified the flesh with its affections and lusts. You see, your new man can dominate that flesh. Greater is the life of God that's in you than the sin nature that's in that flesh. There's still the sin nature in the flesh. One of these days we're going to have a glorified body. Amen. And that's going to be a great day. But while we are here, we can subdue the flesh. We can do it. We can do it. How? By letting our spirits dominate us. By reprogramming our thinking with God's word. You see, the natural mind thinks failure. It thinks defeat. He thinks negativisms. He thinks doubt. He thinks discouragement. But this new man is created like God. He's a winner. He's <laughs> more than a conqueror. Amen. Triumphs every single time. So he takes reprogramming our thinking. The old man thinks lack. The old man thinks poverty. The new man thinks abundance. The old man thinks sickness. He thinks fear. The new man thinks health. He thinks healing. So we are to start thinking in line with the word of God. Amen. And subdue our flesh. And let the life that is in us dominate us. And understand that before you got saved, your past was remitted. It doesn't exist anymore. God is not holding you, you know, for what that man did. You're a new man. You're not the one that did it. That man has passed away. What does it mean passed away? Died. You're a new man. Romans 6.6 6 says our old man was crucified with him. That the body of sin might be destroyed, rendered ineffective. It says that henceforth we should not serve sin. Yes, we still have the body, but it no longer has the ability to dominate us because we're new creatures. Someone says, okay, I've heard that, that I'm a new creature. I've heard that, that my past has been remitted. I've heard that, that God is not holding any of that stuff against me. I've heard that, that I'm God's child. person told me, he said, but listen, <laughs> I've messed up since getting saved. I've made mistakes. See, when he told me that, you know what I told him? I said, well, welcome to the club of we human beings who have messed up. Amen. Don't know anybody who hasn't. The only person that never missed it was Jesus and they killed him at 8.33. Hey, listen to me. Yeah, we're not proud of our mistakes. 
No, we don't want to because the life of God is in us. But if you do miss the mark, 1 John 1 9 says, If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The moment you went to God from your heart and said, Father, that was wrong, I shouldn't have done it, and you appropriate forgiveness, He forgave you and He does not remember it happened. It's not good taste reminding Him. Don't hold yourself in condemnation over stuff that God does not remember. He does not remember. Isaiah 43, 25, I, even I, am he that blotted out their transgressions for my own sake and will not remember that iniquities. In Hebrews 8, 12, he said, there are sins and iniquities I will remember no more. He doesn't remember them. So don't remind him and stop reminding yourself and walk on in the light of life. Let that new man dominate you. Amen. Live the victorious life of the believer that you are. Well, second thing. So first, the new birth. Second thing, sonship rights and privileges. Sonship rights and privileges. Now in 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, the Bible says, Behold, what manner of love the Father had bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Verse 2 goes ahead to say, Beloved, now we the sons of God. It does not yet appear what we shall be. We know that when it shall appear, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. You see, we are sons of God. We are sons of God. We are in the family of God. Romans 8 verse 17. The Bible says, And if children, then hears, hears of God, and joint hairs with Christ. Galatians 4 7 says, And ye are no more servants, but sons. Wherefore, ye are no more servants, but sons. Sons of God. Hears. Hears, hears of God. See, you are God's sons. We are his daughters. And as his children, we inherit our father. Remember what 1 Corinthians 3.21 says. It says, all things are yours. All things are yours. Ye are Christ's and Christ is God's. Ask yourself, this thing that I need, this thing that I want, does God have it? If God has it, then it's yours. Because we are heirs of God. Ephesians 1 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Ephesians 1 11, in whom we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of Him who works all things after the counsel of His own will. Galatians 3 13 and 14. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. 14 says that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the spiritual faith. You see, we are redeemed from the curse of the law. You are not under the curse. You are not under the curse. We are in the blessing. We are in the blessing. We are in the blessing. You are too blessed to be cursed. The blessing of God is on you. You are blessed going out, blessed coming in. See, any provision they had in the old covenant was because of their father, Israel. Why did Israel have it? Because of his father, Isaac. Why did Isaac have it? Because of his father, Abraham. So all of the promises in the Old Testament are part of the blessings of Abraham. And because we are Christ's, we are Abraham's seed. We are here as according to the promise. Let me give, for example, a sampling of some of the things, some of our sonship rights and privileges. Do you know that healing belongs to you? Do you know that 
Yeah, it's okay to pray for healing. You can do that. The Bible teaches it. But you know, you don't have to. Matthew 8, 17 says that he might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying himself, took our infirmities and bear our sicknesses. First Peter 2, 24, whose own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin shall live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. Healing is ours. It belongs to us. Jesus died not only for our sins, but also our diseases. What he took, I need not take. What he bore, I need not bear. And because he's taking it, then healing is ours. Healing is ours. I'm glad I got a hold of these truths as a young boy. Now, I haven't had a headache. Now, the last headache I had was in August of 1986. I haven't had malaria in over 30 years. I've forgotten what it feels like. I haven't had a sick day in over 30 years. Yes, once in a great while, I get tempted to be sick. But what do I do with it? I resist the temptation. Sometimes once in four years, five years, you know. Now, of course, I'm not saying I do something foolish like expose myself to cold. You know, you have to be careful. You have to be wise. Just took our sins, not our brains. And because I'm a faith man doesn't mean I don't have wisdom. So there's a place of practical wisdom. Are you listening to me? Yeah, if you need medical help, go get it. The doctor is fighting the same devil the preacher is fighting. Yes. Proverbs 18.9 in the Amplified Classic, it says, He that doesn't use his endeavors to heal himself is brother to him that commits suicide. Are you listening to me? If you need medical help, get it. And believe God. You know, sometimes people think that if I'm in faith, I mustn't use drugs. If I'm using drugs, I'm not in faith. Who said? You can use the drugs in faith. Amen. Praise God. Pastor Hagin says, when the natural and the supernatural come together, they make an explosive force for God. So if you need the help, it's great. Get it. I've seen people. The doctor diagnosed them, said, look, you've got this growth. We need to take it out immediately. You know. And then, this impressive, when they had a sprain in their ankle, they had to go to the hospital. When they had tummy ache, they had to take medication. They now come to me, Pastor, Pastor, I believe God. They say, stamina cancer, but there's nothing God cannot do. There's not, and it's true, nothing God cannot do, but faith grows. Faith grows. And the Pastor is trying to tell them that, look, I can believe God with you, but don't you think... Let's go this route, take the surgery, and let's believe God that God will guide the hand of the surgeon and that they'll get rid of it, and then we'll trust God. Or go for the chemo, and we'll believe God with you that all of it will be gone, and then they are forming. And it's not their heart, though. Sometimes it's the fear of the surgery. Sometimes it's the fear of the chemo. So they are making confessions, but those confessions are not born of faith. Listen, faith works. And then sometimes some of them die, and everybody comes and says, eh. but they believe God. They believe God. And then they start giving pastor a headache. And then he now has to do a series in church just to address that casualty. Look, faith grows. Are you listening to me? Start where you are at. Keep feeding your faith and exercising it. It will grow. Brother Higgins said in 1983, Lord said to him, he said, many people who are teaching faith today are teaching it on the level where they are. But they didn't start there. He said, I want you to go back to the ABCs of Bible faith. So we need to go back to the ABCs. Faith grows. Faith grows. So healing is ours. That's God's best. God's word is medicine. God's best is that his word is all the medicine that we require. Now, if you are not yet there, don't beat yourself on the head. Hmm? Keep feeding your faith on God's word. Keep getting all the natural help you need. It's okay. After a while, you see, what? Before I started working in health, when I saw it in the Bible, it took me a few years. 
I had some running battles that seemed persistent. What I didn't do was that I didn't quit. I kept feeding my faith about healing and using it. And eventually the time came when I began to walk in health. So healing is part of our inheritance in Christ. I'll tell you another one. Do you know prosperity is part of our inheritance in Christ? Part of our sonship rights and privileges. The church has a building program. Amen. You know, the cattle on a thousand hills belong to God. The gold and the silver belong to God. What belongs to God belongs to us. God said he will bless the work of our hands, right? God said the hand of the diligent will be a rule. There are principles in God's word about saving, about correct financial planning. You see, we cannot apply God's word and go down. And I'll also say this, success in God is not overnight. If I tell you that by tomorrow you'll be a millionaire, don't say amen. Hmm? Except God specifically revealed that. That's usually not how it happens. But as we consistently apply the principles of God's word, it will work for us. Philippians 4.19, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Psalm 23 verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Psalm 84 verse 11, the Lord is his son and his shield, he will give grace and glory. No good thing shall he withhold from them that walk uprightly. Isaiah 1.11, uh, Isaiah 119, if ye be willing and obedient, ye shall eat the good of the land. Job 36, 11, if they will obey and serve him, they will spend their days in prosperity and their years in pleasures. 2 Corinthians 8, 9, for we know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for our sakes he became poor, that we through his poverty might become rich. 2 Corinthians 9, 8, and God is able to make all grace abound toward you. That ye having always all sufficiency in all things may abound unto every good work. See, the thing about prosperity is this. Most of us have seen an extreme of it. We have seen ministers that fleece the flock. We've seen it. We've seen people who, ah, it just borders on covetousness. We've seen it. And so because we've seen that extreme, it now kind of makes us, get so uh we're now apologetic about it anytime in church you have money mm, something cringes look do we throw away the baby with the dirty bath water no we don't is the cure for headache cutting off the head no you see tithing hmm? i believe in tithing why do i believe in tithing because i follow abraham's example i don't tithe as a slavish duty I don't tithe because I'm afraid of the devourer. I don't tithe after the Levitical order. I tithe in following the steps of Abraham's faith. Hebrews 6.12 says we're not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promise. We go to Hebrews 7 and the Bible contrasted how Israel tithed to Levi with how Abraham tithed to Melchizedek. I go after how Abraham tithed to Melchizedek and I follow that example. And I believe we should. Are you listening to me? Now, if you don't tithe as a believer, are you cursed? I don't believe you are because we are not under the curse of the law. However, is there a blessing that goes with tithing? There is. There is. Definitely. Definitely. You know, the tithe was the only thing God said his people should prove him on. The only time you, you hear God say, prove me now herewith. It was concerning the tithe in the Old Testament. Now, if under the Old Testament, under the law, they could be blessed for tithing, we will be super blessed for tithing. What does the tithe do? Keeps the church doors open so that the church can continue to 
reach the lost, feed the saints, build the people up, people of God, build them up in the word of God. So it's scriptural. How about giving? There's a law of sowing and reaping. You understand? I'm not pressuring you to give. No, I'm not. I will never pressure people to give. Never. But the Bible teaches giving. So if I'm teaching the whole Bible, I'll teach that also. Amen. Praise God. So we have an inheritance in Christ Jesus. We have blessings that are ours by virtue of the fact that we are believers. How do we experience these sonship rights and privileges? It's simple. Colossians 2.6 says, As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith as ye have been taught. Verse 7, abounding therein with thanksgiving. So, we have received Jesus, right? It now says we're to walk in him. Isn't it? But also, there's another thing it says. The way we walk in him is the way we received him. As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, walk ye in him. Now, how did you receive him? Romans 10, 9 and 10. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Isn't it? For with a heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with a mouth confession is made unto salvation. See, that's the same principle. Believe in the heart and confess with the mouth. Do you know that our words dominate us? Do you know that our words rule us? They dominate us. When God was going to get, you know, when Abraham was 75, God told him, you know, he's going to have his own child. The Bible says he believed God, was counted to him for righteousness. 24 years after, it hadn't happened. And along the line, he went on a little detour, used his senses, helped himself to Ishmael. Now, does that mean people shouldn't do IVF? Do IVF. It's not a sin. Are you listening to me? Nothing wrong with it. Nothing wrong with it. But Abraham's case was different. He went through a wrong route, you know. He did something that was God had told him it would happen normally. But you know something? Where I'm going is this. Do you know that? Even though Abraham had been believing God for 24 years and the promise hadn't happened. The moment Abraham fixed his confession, within three months, his wife got pregnant. Go think about that. Because they told him, according to, by this time next year, your wife will have a child. And then God said, I've changed your name from Abraham to Abraham. Once he fixed his mouth, you see, as believers, where we miss it primarily is not the believing. Where we miss it primarily is in the same part of faith. Our words dominate us. Our words dominate us. Then he began to call the things that be not as though they were. Then when they asked him, who are you? He says, I'm the father of many nations. I'm the father of many nations. God put something in place to help him maintain his confession. And once he did, within three months, his wife took in. Because by that time next year, he had a child. He was 99. By 100, the child had come. You see what I'm saying? 2 Corinthians 4.13 says, We having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed, therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. Proverbs 6.2 says, Thou art snared by thy words. Thou art taken by the words of your mouth. You said you could not do it. The moment you said it, you were whipped. You said you did not have faith. And that moment, doubt rose up like a giant and bound you. You are imprisoned with your own words. You thought failure and failure held you in bondage. Proverbs 12, 18 says, There is that speaketh like the piercings of a sword, but the tongue of the wise is health. Proverbs 16, 24, Pleasant words as a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and health to the bones. Proverbs 21, 23, Whoso keepeth his mouth and his tongue, keepeth his soul from troubles. Do you know something? With all the scarcity of this Naira, 
You know, some people don't lack it. They have an abundance of it, both in their accounts and also physical cash. Do you know that if you talk about the lack of finances, you stop the money from coming in? I learned that long ago. If you want abundance, speak abundance. Speak abundance. My needs are met. My wants are supplied. And you have to say that in the face of want. You have to look lack in the face and say, I am rich. In the face of apparent contradiction and seeming defeat, you say, I am more than a conqueror through him that loved me. In the face of adverse circumstances, you say, thanks be unto God, who always causes me to triumph in Christ Jesus and makes manifest a savor of his knowledge by us in every place. You see, what I confess, I possess. What I confess, I possess. And what I possess, I maintain by my confession. Amen. So let's find out what the word of God says about us. Who we are in Christ. What we have in Christ. They are in him scriptures. There are about 134 of them. Find those scriptures that tell you who you are. And then make them your confession. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm complete in him which is the head of all principality and power. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? You see, when you speak those kind of words, they will <laughs> create an atmosphere of victory around you. Yeah, I am always favored. I'm telling you, always. People <laughs> that like me favor me. People that don't like me favor me. Yeah. I went to someone and said, I don't know why I'm doing this for you, but I'm just going to make an exception out of you. I see it every time. And I'm grateful to God for it. So your confession, those sonship rights and privileges, it's by believing what the word of God says about them and confessing what the word of God says about them that will make them a reality. Yes, there is lack in the land. Yes, there are adverse situations in that. Do you know some people became billionaires during COVID? You know that? Eh. You see, the Bible says when they say there is a casting down, we say there is a lifting up. And that's why we are lifted up. Don't join that talk. Don't join that talk. Yes, we show empathy for what people are going through. And we do the best we can to help people. But listen, don't come and say, you know, things are tight for me. Oh. Business, has, business is not coming. Oh. Yeah, there's another verse after that. It won't come either. But how about saying, yes, business may seem to be slow, but I believe God. He's my source. He meets my needs. Amen. So the new birth, sonship rights and privileges. And lastly, as I wrap up, the indwelling of the Holy Ghost. The indwelling of the Holy Ghost. See, in 1 Corinthians 3.16, the Bible says, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. Now, Paul still wasn't sure they got it. So he wrote them again, 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. For ye are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. He still wasn't sure they got it. So he wrote them another letter, 2 Corinthians 6, from verse 14. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? What communion hath light with darkness? What concord hath Christ with Belial? What part hath he that believeth with an infidel? What agreement hath the temple of God with idols? Say, for ye are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them. I will walk in them. I will be their God. They shall be my people. See, there were two relations God sustained towards Israel. 
God was for them. And that's why they always won. Once they cooperated with God, they always won in every battle. God was also with them. But guess what? In the New Testament, Romans 8.31 says, If God be for us, who can be against us? No one can successfully be against you if God is on your side. One with God is majority. He's for us. That guarantees our success. He's not only for us, he's with us. He's with us. He's with us. Hebrews 13, 5 and 6. Let your conversation be without covetousness and content with something that he have. For he had said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. And I will not fear what man shall do unto me. God is with you. God is with you. Amen. But listen, it even gets better. First John 4, 4. Ye are of God, little children. And I've overcome them. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. God is on the inside of you. I wonder what he's doing in you. Is he a squatter? Squatting through life. Is he a hitchhiker? I beg, give me lift, give me lift. No, he's in you to put you over. He's in you to make you a success. There may be giants in the land. But we are well able to take the land. Because God is on our inside. We're able to take the economic land. We're able to take the financial realm. We're able to take it in ministry too. Amen. He said, ask of me, I'll give you the heathen for thine inheritance. The uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. That's ours also. Amen. He said he will bless the work of our hands. The greater one is in us. The greater one is in us. Yes, we have tests. Yes, we have trials. Yes, we have adverse situations. Yes, we have discouragements on our side. But what about it? God is in us. God makes his home in us. God makes his abode in us. See, many times when the devil comes with those tests, those trials, I look at him and say, devil, was that your best shot? Is that all you got? Try harder. Try harder. Is that all you got? And I say, yeah, yeah. And I just go have a nap. We must look down on those tests. You know, feet. You're too small. Who them be? God be for us. We are more than conquerors. We are more than conquerors. We have it made. We have it made. We go out in life's fight and we win. That's what we do. We win. See, this church is founded on the word of God. The Bible says, whatsoever is born of God, overcometh the world. Says, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Yes, it has things to overcome. There are things that come against it, but it wins. As surely as you keep putting out the word, it says, so mightily grill the word of God and prevail. Heavenly Father, shared from my heart what I believe you have for your people today. Thank you for helping us. Thank you for helping us to realize that there's strength in you. There's strength in you. Someone who's losing their sight on their left eye. Put up a hand if it's you. You're losing your sight on your left eye. I don't know if it's glaucoma. I don't know what it is. You're losing your sight on your left eye. I want to pray for you. Who are you? In the name of Jesus, see the hand. Satan, leave that eye alone. Take your filthy hands off his body. That body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. You have no right to violate it. I call him healed in the name of Jesus. You've been having some, some issues with your lower abdomen. You've been having some issues with your lower abdomen. It's persisted for a while. Listen, 
this is your day. Who are you? Who are you? I want to pray for you. Amen. And God, I see your hand. In the name of Jesus, I speak to that situation. Be healed. In the name of Jesus. Someone, you have a what they call a dark brown headache. The left side of your head. The left side of your head. Yeah, I see your hand. In the name of Jesus, my grain be gone. Be whole in Jesus' name. Yeah, someone you hear, you've been struggling with this habit, struggling with it and struggling with it. Now, don't lift up your hand. Hmm? Don't lift up your hand. Listen to me. God loves you. Yeah, you've made some mistakes in recent times, repeatedly, and you feel so bad with yourself. You feel like, oh, I'm just not worthy. Oh, why am I doing this? Oh, listen, God loves you. Hmm? God loves you in spite of all that. Yes, he hates the mistakes. He hates the wrongdoing, but he loves you. And let me tell you something. You are more than a conqueror. The way you are going to overcome that stuff is by faith in God's word. And is by speaking the word of God. Is by standing your ground on the word of God. Now if you're here, you're not born again. I like to pray with you and for you. Anybody like that. I wouldn't like to close this out without giving such an opportunity. You're here, you're not saved. Anybody like that? Anybody like that? Well, it's a believer's meeting. Let's say it together. I have the victory. The greater one is in me. I'm more than a conqueror. Through him that loved me, I'm strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. I go from strength to strength, from faith to faith, from victory to victory. Amen. How about just celebrating your pastors for the awesome job they're doing in this work, in this assembly. Put your hands together for Pastor Chine. Join us every Sunday at 9 a.m. at the Nafield Arcade and Water Park, Vuse Zone 7 and midweek services at the Chiratin Hotel, number 30 Sokode Crescent, Vusei, Zone 5. God bless you.